This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Swabananda Kumar. I am ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And a big thank you to everyone who is listening, downloading, uh, reading, and reviewing this podcast via your favorite podcast player, as well as everyone listening on the ACB Media Network. Uh, As always, if you would like to learn more about ACB, including uh, how to become a member and join us in our advocacy efforts, you can visit acb.org. And if there's an advocacy issue that you are working on and that's important to you that you'd like to share, please send us an email at advocacy at acb.org. So today we're going to jump into our podcast. What is Uh, Again, just want to say a big thank you to ACB of Minnesota for underwriting the advocacy update. Thank you so much for your support and the great work that you all do uh, in your state affiliate. So Swatha, what's on tap today? So today we are talking with our um, DKM first timers and our scholarship winner. So today for DKM first-timers, we have Belinda Collins and Kayla Allen. And for our scholarship winner, we have Bavia Shah, who will come later this this hour. That's right. So Bavia Shah will will join us in the second half of the podcast in a conversation with Swatha. And right now we have Kayla and Belinda. So hello, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are and what time it is. Good morning. So, Belinda, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, um, first of all, thank you for the opportunity um, to be on the podcast. Um, I am from North Carolina. I was born and raised in North Carolina. I lived, I grew up in a town called Lumberton, uh, about the size of Hutz. 22 to 25,000. Um, and then I currently live in a little, much, much smaller town of St. Paul's, North Carolina, which is like 3,000 people. <laughs> so um, I live here with my husband and uh, we live on property near our fa- my family. And uh, we are, you know, we're just take things day by day. We really don't. uh, I am an assistive technology instructor. So I um, have clients that I work with from time to time, um, just one-on-one private uh, clients. So I do that. And um, let's see, that's just, I don't know how much you want me to go into. Yeah, that's great. And and Belinda, you are our uh, DKM first timer so this was your first acb convention you're the first timer from east of the mississippi and our first timer from the west coast kayla allen uh kayla you're from mesa arizona correct 
Um, and I have been in Arizona for many, many years. <laughs> um, I was born in Minnesota and then we moved to Arizona. Um, I have two kiddos, one in elementary school and one in junior high. I have been married for a little over 15 years and I am a activities facilitator, technology, um, sorry, <laughs> assistant technology activities facilitator with future insights. And I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> so, that's uh, if, that, if that's if that's nerves, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this question for both of you. Um, we start with Linda first. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience, experience asking for yourself or for your um, community, personally and um, professionally, professionally. Well, um, for me, advocating really started when I was a kid. Um, I actually witnessed it firsthand with my parents who advocated for me to attend public school. Um, the school district here in the beginning was very insistent that I went to a school for the blind and my parents wanted me to attend a public school. and. They advocated for that. And, um, you know, as a kid, you don't really quite understand, you know, what it all means. But as I got older and as, particularly in high school and in college and ha had to start advocating for myself, I realized, you know, what the struggles they went through to advocate for me. And uh, I remember in college having to speak to professors and say, you know, these are the accommodations that I need. And, you know, sometimes it was a challenge to get them on my side, basically. And at one point in the beginning, I um, was really looking back now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I had a geology uh, professor who did not want to cooperate. And I ended up dropping the class because I wasn't sure that it was worth advocating for looking back now, you know, that was not probably the wisest choice, but, you know, you learn. And after that, um, as time passed, I became stronger in my advocacy. I wanted to ensure that myself and other students in, at the particular college I was going to we were able to advocate for ourselves and to not just advocate, but to actually be heard and see results. So um, I ended up real quickly an incident that happened uh, where I got stuck in a median in a, uh, a four-way highway, basically. Um, and there was no cross signals. There was nothing there like the audible signals. And people had been hurt on that crossing. And so several of us began to advocate, you know, to get something there at that crosswalk to help us. And uh, that's kind of where some of my advocacy began. Yeah. And I imagine advocacy is a big part of uh, your professional life now in the assistive technology field, correct? Absolutely. Yes, I am a big advocate of just making sure that things are accessible for, you know, clients that I may work with. Um, and 
even if they are accessible, sometimes it's it's about teaching those clients to to pay attention to things that they may run into later that may not be accessible to them and teach them how they can advocate for themselves. Very well said. And Nervous Kayla, same question <laughs> to you. What's your personal experience with advocacy? So um, I, like Valinda, also went to public school and um, there was a lot of advocacy there for me because a lot of these teachers had never had a student in their classroom that was blind or um, had any visually, visual impairments or anything. So I, I really had to speak up and say, this isn't working for me. And um, some of my teachers refused to, to do the work um, because back then I could read large print. And it was as simple as them when they did their photocopies, they write plus one for Kayla. And the, the photocopiers knew what to do, but that little, even that small thing they wouldn't do. So it's me taking their paperwork and going down there and doing it myself so that I could do the work. Um, so I also have a son with a disability. He's not blind, but he has a disability. So advocating for him and teaching him how to advocate for himself has been a huge um, thing that I've done for and really pushed for because it's really important, even though he has a different disability, that he knows that he should have these things that he needs to make him successful. And I honestly, until I was in that situation where I'm sitting in an IEP meeting, like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm doing. I didn't realize how much my mom did for me, how many, you know, you don't realize, like Belinda said, you don't realize as a kid what goes into that. Um, one of the things I advocated that I'm most proud of is um, I went to the state capitol and um, me and a group of individuals advocated for the right to, um, I'm trying to word this correctly, I can't remember exactly how the law put it out, basically that if a, um, a parent with a visual impairment or who is blind cannot have their kids taken away with them, based on that fact, there has to be additional evidence in order for them to come out and for like CPS to come out and um, investigate. It cannot be based solely on blindness. So that was super cool. I got to go talk to the state, to the uh, at the state capitol to the Senate and the House on that. So when that actually passed unanimously, and honestly, the biggest part of that was they didn't know. Like these yeah. higher up in government just didn't even know that was something that we were dealing with. Like when we went and sat in their offices, they're like, what? You guys have, you, this is happening in our state? Like, especially if you have two blind parents who go into the hospital and have a kid, DPS was automatically called just because they were both blind. They didn't go and look at their home. They didn't go and make sure they were safe or not. So that was really cool that I got to be a part of that change in the world. That's awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing, uh, both of you for sharing your personal, professional, and even uh, broader advocacy efforts. And also, again, congratulations on being uh, our ACB DKM first 
timers for this year's convention, albeit it was a virtual convention, and we're excited that you'll be joining us in Omaha next year in person. Uh, but what is it that has drawn you to ACB? And this time, let's begin with, with Kayla. Um, so I love ACB. <laughs> um, I, from the moment I got on the first community call, I felt welcomed, supported, safe, like I had a place I belonged finally. So that's, that's amazing to me, being a blind person in a sighted world and at one point being blind. And, you know, when you're low vision, you have your foot in two different worlds. And as I've gotten older, I've lost more and more vision, but I haven't found more people who are visually impaired to connect with, to relate to. And ACP has given that to me, and I have made some amazing friends, and I will be a member for life. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and Belinda, similar question to you. How did you get involved with ACB? Well, I, I listened to ACB um, convention, summer convention on ACB radio for several years. Um, you know, just different uh, presentations. Um, every summer I was always drawn to that so that I could, I felt like I was learning, just trying to keep up with the new things that are happening. And so for me, it was more of, I had a lot of personal family things going on that, and to be honest, I never thought I would get involved with any blindness organization. I just, like to listen and get updates across my mind that I would even be involved. Um, and in 2020, of course, when everything shut down, I was attending um, a, an online program for my certification in assistive technology. And in May of last year, I got an email from someone talking about these community events. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, I checked it out. I went to one event and I was like, oh, this is okay. You know, it's pretty cool. And then I went back to my work. <laughs> I had a lot of school work to do. And but during the summer, the convention rolled around and um, I, you know, did what I usually do is listen to some of the presentations on ACB radio. And but for some reason, even this year or last year was virtual. I, you know, there was something different about it. I was very impressed on just how things were handled virtually. And I remember the last night of convention, there was this big, um, oh, I don't even know what it's called. And I was like a, a community hospitality call that yeah. lasted like four hours. And Nightcap. Yeah, everyone, even though, you know, you weren't registered or whatever, anyone could attend, but I, I listened on ACB radio and I was just, just impressed with all the different stories of how people were impacted by the community and the convention. So I immediately the next day uh, joined ACB. I was like, you know, I, I'm just going to join on a whim and started attending community events. And I am a 
an introvert by nature. Some may say differently now, but, um, and I'm like, nah, in the beginning, no one made me feel unwelcome, but I just felt like everybody knew each other. And so I just kind of, you know, stayed in the background for a while. And then the more I got to know people and was accustomed to certain voices, you know, I was like, oh, I need to volunteer. I need to help. And so I started hosting and, uh, it, it just kind of went from there, from hosting to the eventual internship and just this whole involvement now. Like I am totally mm-hmm. sucked into ACB and, you know, I don't regret a moment of it. Like Kayla said, I have met so many wonderful people and some of my best friends in the world are in this community and I wouldn't trade that for anything. So Belinda... Uh, as someone who listened to the conference and convention on ACB radio in years past, um, what was it about the, the virtual, I mean, you already said a little bit about the virtual convention, but really what, it, what is it about the community that finally got you hooked? And we're now over 5,000 community events um, right. over the course of the pandemic, but, you know, being a part of, the convention over ACB radio, having an, an affiliate there in, in North Carolina. Um, what is it about the community that finally got you hooked into ACB? For me, it, so I, I sort of did things a little backwards. <laughs> I, um, jo- I joined at the national level before I even got involved with my state affiliate. Um, and that's primarily because in the beginning, I honestly did not realize that we had a state affiliate. I knew we had one at one time, but I was never involved in any blindness organization. I'd heard mm-hmm. of it, but you know, I just had a lot of other things going. And, and uh, like I've heard others say, you know, I'll never get involved in a blindness organization. And that, that was kind of my mindset. But then with the community call started um, and I started getting vo- involved with them. I, it's just the sense of belonging. And I shared this with someone the other day for the longest time. I didn't realize that I was missing something, that something was missing in my life. And I know it may sound corny, but it's, it's really true that I, there was a part of me that was missing. And when I found the community of, just the friendships and people accepting each other, no matter what background they're from, uh, no judging, no any of that. Once I really got involved, it just, I was embraced by that. And I realized now what I was searching for was family. You know, mm-hmm. I have my biological family, but the community feels like a family and it's a place that I belong. And like Kayla, I, I'm going to be here forever. So, <laughs> and you can't get rid of us now. <laughs> Kayla, did you have uh, did you have impressions of ACB um, before? Oh. Did you know about ACB and did you have impressions of ACB before getting involved? Yeah. So, um, I I have friends that are involved in other organizations, and I tried them out. And I, it just didn't feel right to me. I had heard of ACB, but um, 
people didn't really, especially people my age, because back then I, you know, I'm, I'm in my thirties. So there wasn't a, a, it, it, I, I was led to believe there wasn't really a place for the younger generation there mm. at ACB. Um, I was told it's just old elderly people who get together and they're, they don't do much and things like that. And um, now I'm a member of Next Gen, which means they were, you know, they were, they were misinformed and I was given the wrong information. And so when I received, um, I have a, a friend who was part of the community and she was actually talking about these community calls on a group audio chat that we have. And, um, and I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. You know, she was talking about how much fun she was having. I'm like, I, I'll, I'll check it out, you know. And so she forwarded me the email and I went to my first coffee social. And even though I knew absolutely no one there, I felt welcome. And that was the first time in my life that I had really had that, where I had a place where I could be me and felt like I, there were no judgments on me. I didn't have to be a certain way or, you know, because it was all brand new people. They didn't have any expectations of me. So I got to start being myself. And I didn't, like Belinda, I didn't realize that was something I was missing, was, you know, feeling belonged somewhere. Yeah, we create for eight speeds that there's something for everyone there. Um, yeah, so um, what made you guys want to apply for the Deacon First Time Award? Like, um, you talked about your involvement in ACB, but just like, why did you decide to do this award? And Kayla, would you like to start? Sure. Um, so I started volunteering with um, ACB back in June of 2020. And that got me meeting more of the, the leadership, I guess, and stuff like that. And I felt like it had a strong leadership where people cared and I wanted to be part of that. So that's part of the reason I applied for the scholarship is because I wanted to be more involved. And this was my way of starting that process. Melinda, yeah. Well, for me, it's a, it's quite, it's a little bit different. I, oh, I well, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I'm just going to say basically the way it, it is for me is I truthfully was not going to apply initially, um, even though I had uh, started an internship, I had done hosting, done various projects uh, within the community. Um, I sometimes would suffer from just low self-esteem, if you will, and just thought, you know, oh, well, I'm here in the background. You know, I do what I do, and I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but, you know, it's, it's not something that's really noticeable. Uh, that's kind of, that was kind of my mindset. So for me, when the opportunity came up for the DKM award, I was pretty hesitant because I just wasn't looking at myself that way. Um, and 
I will have to say the person who um, encouraged me or urged me to do that was uh, Cindy Hollis, the membership services coordinator. She said, I think, you know, if you really truly want to get involved with ACB, here is an opportunity and you'll never know unless you try. And so I did. And surprisingly, and I was very humbled to receive the award. Uh, I think that really changed my perspective on, you know, some of the low self-esteem, uh, some of the other mm -hmm. thoughts. It just really made me feel like, wow, I'm beginning to make a difference. And, you know, so that that's how I, that's how it got started for me to apply for the award. Well, well I certainly hope you, um, let me rephrase this. We, <laughs> we on ACB staff are, are truly grateful for the contributions that you've made as a member, as a part of the community, as an intern, and still as an active uh, host and future leader. So um, uh, a, big, a big thank you. And thank you both so much for taking the time to apply. Um, and attending as a first timer. So Belinda with you. Okay. So now you've attended your first um, virtual convention all the way through and next year you'll be with us in Omaha in person. Um, where are you hoping this path leads you within ACB? I am hoping that at some point, I, I would love to be on a couple of committees. I've, there are a couple that I have in mind. Um, my, my future within ACB that I see within the next few years is one of leadership. I want to be involved in leadership in some capacity. I, I don't know what that will look like. Um, but I just, my main goal is just to stay involved in whatever way I can and to continue giving back to the community, to ACB as a whole. And, um, you know, I'd like to get involved in the leadership committee itself and uh, maybe information access committee that um, there's a couple others. Um, I don't know what the future holds with that, but those are kind of the areas that I'm looking at specifically. And also on the state level, I am becoming more involved with my affiliate. I will be running for the uh, secretary position of our um, state affiliate in September, or actually it is September now, so <laughs> this month, so we Sneaks have up our, on you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that opportunity, and also hopefully at some point I'm trying to organize a local chapter in my area. We don't currently have one, mm -hmm. and I'm working on that. Um, I've got some folks who are interested in, I'd love to form a local chapter here. So those are a few things that I'm 
you know, just considering at the, at the moment. Uh, I love it. The community giving back to the, uh, the state affiliates and bringing in leaders of tomorrow. So uh, that's awesome. Thanks, Belinda. And Kayla, the same question to you. Uh, where do you see this? Where do you see this path taking you as a DKM first timer? Um, I definitely want to do more on a local level as well. Um, we do have a chapter or affiliate near me. So um, I've gotten a lot more involved with that. And um, I actually got the opportunity to help uh, plan our state convention, which was a lot of fun. So I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, I was part of the program committee and I, um, I am looking to become part of the program's committee for next gen. So I'm in contact with them and working on that, seeing how I can help there um, because I don't want it to, I don't want people to have the same experience as I did thinking that, you know, the younger population wasn't involved. And I think that it's important to get that out there that we're all here of all ages, everybody's welcome. Um, I definitely have a couple other um, committees that I'd be interested in getting more involved in as well, and then continuing what I am doing um, with the crafts and things like that, because I feel like it's very important. I know that a lot of people think that we're just getting together to craft and pass the time, but there's a lot more to crafting. It, it really helps with people's mental health. And it, it, that alone, especially in this community, um, is very important to my heart. Yeah, so. definitely. It's great to, yeah, it's great to give mental health and to um, find activities that would make you have a positive attitude. Um, so kind of going in the same, same lanes of like um, committees and leadership and all that, um, how do you both see yourself um, working with ACB or not to um, like advocate more for, for your community? Um, will anyone start? Um, so, I have um, an idea that's kind of been going through my head as far as advocating for the community, um, especially those who are on community calls who can only join via their phone mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. they don't have the technology. They don't have the computer or the smartphones or you know what have you. And I have some ideas of how I would like to see that change. So not change so much, but um, see a deeper connection with some of those folks so that they, they're not left out, but so that they are, they feel like they can uh, communicate more effectively with some of us who are more tech, you know, tech savvy. And um, I, I just want to work on a project that would eventually pair up some uh, more tech, tech savvy folks with those who need to learn a little more about their technology. That would really 
get them involved with the main goal is to get them involved with the community so that they can access the, the events from their phone or from their smartphone or from their computer instead of having to rely on a landline phone. That, that's something that I would love to advocate more for and to hopefully, you know, see happen in the future. Belinda, that's, that's a great point. And and I think that that's probably going to start with, you know, some, some high level uh, conversations, right? Is it, is it that they don't have access to the technology or accessible technology is uh, high speed or broadband internet not available in their areas right. or do they just not want to, do they not like uh, computers and internet? Are they more yeah. comfortable with their, uh, landline or a phone that mm-hmm. has push buttons as opposed to a flat screen. Yeah. Uh, and so some how- of them just don't have the, um, they haven't had people to, that would have patients to work with them or teach them exactly. the technology exactly. they do have. For sure. And I, I mean, how many, <laughs> how many of us have been in the situation where, uh, you know, working with a, even working with a professional in the rehab space, where they, in some cases, just give you a new piece of technology and say, here you go, this will make mm-hmm. things easier and better for you. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it and how do I use it, right? Yeah, they, they walk away and you're left with this piece of equipment that you have no idea how to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. a very expensive paperweight, right? <laughs> so that's awesome. I, I can definitely see a future for, for you, Belinda, uh, either on the Information Access Committee or who knows, maybe even leading community events on technology access and digital literacy. Oh. And Kayla, uh, are there advocacy issues that you feel are important for ACB or that you are passionate about here going forward? Yes, um, mine go back to the whole crafting thing. Um, most instructions, videos, things like that are not accessible to us as a blind person because they're most, like if you pulled up a YouTube video, I would say 60% of the time it's just music mm-hmm. and someone doing something. Um, it's websites that are all pictures, but nothing's described. Um, and I know that a, a huge part of this is just awareness, making these people aware of their lack of accessibility on their websites and things like that. And that goes beyond just the crafting. That's just where I fall into because that's what I do for jobs. That's what I do here with ACB is that crafting stuff. Um, and again, it falls back to that mental health stuff that it fall, you know, that it falls into that this information isn't accessible. It's also reaching out to the community. And I've done a couple panelists. I've been on a couple uh, webinars and I was a panelist of just about crafting, talking to rehab counselors about, you know, this is different ways that you can communicate that just because someone's losing their vision, something that once helps them reduce stress doesn't have to be taken away. They just need to do it in a different way. So um, my goal, and that's a lot of what I'm doing here with our community calls, is um, 
we're teaching over Zoom different crafts. It gives them a self of worth, a sense of accomplishment, um, you know, and it just, it makes them feel better about themselves in general, just overall health. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, you saved my life because I was just sitting here not doing anything. I was in a pandemic. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. Um, our instructors are making up kits, getting the materials, making up kits, and sending it to people so they don't even have to try to find transportation to get the materials to do the activities. Um, so that's part of it is, is just awareness. Um, I think a lot of it is people just, once they, especially the older community, if they're losing their vision, they just, they think their life is over and they can't do these things they once loved. And that's my big thing is I don't want people to feel that way. Yeah. Um, and Kayla, if there are others out there who are embarking on an advocacy uh, project or initiative of their own, what advice, uh, just quickly, what advice would you give them? Make your needs noted, like say what you need. People may not adjust, they may not change what they're doing, but if you don't say anything, nothing's ever going to change. So be your own, make sure your voice is heard. That's great. And Belinda, for you, any advice you'd give to folks who are looking to undertake their own uh, advocacy initiatives? Yeah, I, I would also echo what Kayla says, but at the same time, another thing I would really strongly encourage people to not to do is don't give up no matter you're going to run into different obstacles along the way when you're trying to advocate for whatever project you're working on. And you're going to have some people that will say no and others that may not say anything and you're kind of stuck and you don't know where to go, how to move forward. But the point is not to give up. There are other ways you can find other ways to get it done. So, you know, that that's my advice. And that is great advice. Well, Belinda and Kayla, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation here today. Uh, we certainly look forward to being in person with you next year in Omaha. Uh, and I'm sure you all are looking forward to Omaha as well, right? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I need hugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for the conversation. Thanks for all you do for the ACB community. We're excited to have you as our DKM first timers here in 2021. And folks, stay tuned. Swatha will be right back with her conversation with Bavia Shah. Okay, welcome back everyone to the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. I'm Swatha, I'm here with Bavia Shah, who is one of our scholarship, scholarship winners for this year. Um, hi Bavia, how are you? Hello Swatha, I'm good, what about you? Thanks for having um, me. Well, thanks, I'm doing well, um, yeah. So this is just going to be a bit about you, um, about your goals for ACB and that kind of stuff. So um, start off, why don't you tell everyone about um, where, you, where you go to school? I am an incoming sophomore at Stanford University. 
while I have not declared, I will be a likely computer science major, mathematics minor, as well as an education minor. Oh, very cool. Um, so what made you choose that um, field of study? Other fields to study? Um, it's more to do with the attractiveness of the elusiveness of mathematical and computer science problems, how impossibly hard they may sometimes seem at the outset. But as I work my way through the solution and get closer even, the feeling of jubilation is something that I haven't quite gotten bored of. That is awesome. So yeah, like, yeah, I um, really, I'm not a math person, so it's like pretty cool that you think that these are fun things to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of like hard um things that seems hard at the outset, but get easier as get 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 easier and um just fulfilling as time goes on. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your um advocacy as a student at Stanford? Like, what have you um? How have, you, have you, how have you had to advocate for yourself? How, how have you had to advocate other persons with disability? In particular at college, I am probably rather lucky in that I have had few opportunities wherein I've needed to explicitly stand up for myself in order to advocate for something out of the ordinary. That is because the Office of Accessible Education, the Accessible Format team, all of my professors and teaching assistants at Stanford have been incredibly accommodating. I do, however, make it a point to, before the beginning of every quarter, send an email to all of my professors and teaching assistants informing them of my accommodations, my disability, any requests pertaining to instruction in the class, in relation to my disability and just give them a chance to get to know me, my needs, and also for me to just say hello. Otherwise, I think it's important to be proactive and verbally communicative in the instance that something is not working out well for you in a class, even if it makes you feel slightly uncomfortable or if it's a request that could be perceived as excessive by perhaps an unaccommodating faculty. Most professors genuinely care about the student body, the people in their class, and want to make sure that your experience is as good as it possibly can be. So over the summer quarter, I was taking a class, an advanced freshman series discrete mathematics course on probability theory. And one of the aspects of verbalization specifically the limits of various summations and integrals for something that my professor wasn't being particularly explicit about. I asked him to see if he could verbalize those a bit more consciously and frequently. And my request was taken spiritedly. He did do that more often. And that was conducive to an improved experience in my case. So, it can vary from high school wherein you may have teachers who just don't understand to college that um, can or can be a better or worse experience for you. Um, small acts of advocacy and communication of needs can go a long way. 
Yeah, very cool. Yeah, you. Um, it's, it's it's very important that you um make that you um communicate, but effectively, you don't want to sound like you're you don't talking about you want you want to sound like you um are amicable that that you um yeah communication is key to advocacy efforts. Um, and then that, Rena. How have you had had advocate for yourself as a as a person out outside, outside school outside of school outside of school like um in in your community or in your family even? As a blind person, I think advocacy should become so ingrained into you such that it doesn't even feel like that separate act of speaking for yourself. It just seems integral and part of daily life. Um, it can take place in more formal settings. In my case, during high school, I would have liked to give my final school leaving examinations independently using assistive technology on a computer. While my state, I come from India, Maharashtra is one of the largest and therefore has one of the biggest educational boards in the country. It did not have a provision in place for blind students to appear for examinations on computers. So I had to visit their main board a um, couple hours away, uh, drive there a bunch of times, speak to the folks there and get to the higher ups in order to get simple accommodation of being allowed to write my answers on a computer with a screen reading software. This can take much more informal forms wherein you're just trying to persuade a new teacher who has entered your class that you will be able to thrive in their perhaps graphical organic chemistry class or be able to study the conic section in the mathematics class. This can take place uh, outside of the academic setting, wherein with new family members, you're just trying to convince them that you don't always need to be offered a seat and be made to sit down at a family event, that you are perfectly capable of standing up greeting people and um, have those basic expectations met. So I think self-advocacy, you can think of it as a separate task that you're performing everywhere you go, or you can just think of it as a core element of your daily life. Um, I choose to do the latter. Yeah, definitely. I hear you on that. Um, I myself am Indian American, and I grew up here. But um, I know how like you have to um, you feel like you also have to prove that you can that you can um that you're capable of, of so much, and that you um are and that you're able to speak up, and that you, that's very important that you speak up, and that you um to address the grievances, if you will. Um, so moving on to um, ACB, um, what drew you to ACB and why did you apply for a scholarship here? I, at like most college students, was figuring out ways for me to finance my education. The American Council of the Blind Scholarship Program came to my attention through online searching. But also I had heard much about the ACB 
from its advocacy efforts and past initiatives. It was just a name of a blindness organization that rang a bell that I remember distinctly reading about. And I looked up its scholarship program and decided that I would take my chance, wrote all of the required essays, um, gathered the relevant material, made my submission, and one thing led to another, and I made it to the interview stage and was eventually declared a scholarship recipient, um, for which I'm still incredibly grateful for. I also then had the opportunity to participate in the virtual convention. Um, there were a rich variety of sessions, the opportunity to meet the other scholarship recipients, as well as get to know folks at ACB students, ACB Next Gen, and otherwise, and just getting a taste of the breadth and depth of the organization that is the ACB. Oh, very uh, cool. Yeah, I definitely hear you on that. Um, my first intro to ACB was through scholarship portal as well. Um, I ended up not receiving a scholarship, but um, I totally see how the supplying and just getting immersed in the environment can um, do so much for you. Um, yeah, so how do you plan to stay involved in ACB after um, yeah, after this year, I guess. Um, so I think the avenue through which I'm hoping to stay involved is mostly the American Council of the Blind Students Affiliate. Its elections are taking place for which I may be running for a board position. And even uh, if that doesn't work out, I hope to stay involved um, in whatever capacity of volunteering and assistance that I can lend to the students division and otherwise. I hope to continue to getting to know the rest of the organization. In particular, I think the International Relations Committee as an international student myself in the United States appeals to me quite a bit. So I would love the opportunity to get to know folks out there a bit better. So it, it's hard to anticipate the full extent of my involvement and its nature, but there are just so many opportunities and avenues and I can't wait to be part of some of them. Definitely. Um, speaking of being part of a, a committee or of a um, affiliate like ACB students, um, how do you plan to stay involved in advocacy, advocacy in ACB? Um, how do you plan to, or do you, how do you see yourself um, advocating for the blind community or for the needs of blind Indians, if you will, um, as an, a member of ACB? I think at this stage of my life, I'm hoping to collect more life experience and see how advocacy initiatives are conceptualized, planned, executed, and be more of an observer, absorb and soak up as much knowledge that I can gain, insights that I can spot by observation and use all of those learnings as tools in my toolbox to be a proponent and advocate, a driver of change myself in the future. Yeah, what areas are you interested in advocating on behalf advocating for? Um, like what issue areas interest you? 
Um, I think the core of how I am hoping to, in general, create social impact, specifically through the lens of advocacy as well, is trying to prioritize high impact initiatives. Now that can take various forms and one can discuss the nitty-gritties of what those could be, but always being active in thinking about what initiatives impact and how they have a difference on people's lives and trying to go for those ones which have a high likelihood of succeeding, but also a high impact if they succeed. Uh, Education is close to my heart, naturally. Uh, STEM access also is. I think there is much scope for improvement in blindness rehabilitation in parts of the developing world. And I think there is a unique opportunity for ACB within the US and outside to make a change in all of those areas. We'd be happy to like work on international issues in the developing world um, with you as our leader or our head. So uh, definitely um, be in touch with you. Um, yeah, um, so what, just like going, going to um, fun parts of ACB, um, what would your favorite part, what would you say is your favorite part of um, ACB or of, the, or of being part of the ACB community? Um, that's a hard question. There were so many fun parts. Um, I do distinctly remember from the convention during one of the scholarship recipients events, there was a keynote address by, I believe, Gabrielle from Blind Pride International. And he shared his journey from Honduras to the US, from law to college mentorship and his frank lessons for us as youngsters trying to navigate the complexities of life, career choices, and other decisions we make at this crossroad. And I think that was a speech, that message um, that resonated quite a bit and that I think stands out in my memory the most. Just to kind of close out, um, what advice would you do you have for anyone look for anyone who might be like your age or younger who um is looking to ways to advocate or to be to um be advocate for their community or for the for the blind community? Speak up, stand up, um, be restless. Uh, don't wait for others to tell you, instruct you, um, and spoon feed you. There is only one life you've got to live. And there is so much in the world waiting for you to do, to conquer, to explore. And this is your age. This is your time. Um, go live it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely speak up and just like, don't wait for don't sit down. Just like kind of persistent, 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 persistent. Um, yeah. So thanks for be- being here, Bavia. Thank you so much for having me, Swatha. It has been a pleasure. Well, Swatha, uh, thank you so much for hosting that conversation with Bavia Shah. And a big thank you again to Kayla and Belinda for joining us on this advocacy update. Swatha, what were some of the things that stood out to you from our 
our three guests in these two conversations. Yeah, absolutely. So um, speaking with Fabia, speaking with um, Kayla and Linda, um, I just, I'm, I, I'm so kind of in awe of how willing they are, how excited they are to uh, get, get, get more involved in ACB. Um, all three mentioned joining a committee or joining an affiliate and like just getting more involved that way. So I think that like, they're so willing and happy to get 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 more involved. So I'm glad that gave more young, young people more um, excitement. So, yeah. Also, I'm um, excited. Like I think that they all like mentioned a common theme, like come common theme of like um, speak up and don't give up on what you need, what you want from um advocacy point of view, and like just restless. So yeah. Yeah, those are great points. I'd, I'd also add that uh, hearing how the community is bringing uh, new individuals, uh, new life, new enthusiasm to the whole of ACB, uh, introducing folks not only to the national organization, uh, but through the national organization to their state affiliates, local chapters, even special interest affiliates as well. Um, so that's exciting to see, to see what over 5,000 community events has done for uh, ACB. And as you mentioned, for the future of ACB, all this new, new blood from new members who are excited to get involved and be our leaders of tomorrow. And then the, the other point that really stood out to me was hearing Belinda and Kayla mention, uh, you know, mental health and the impact of you know, either being an introvert or having low self-esteem, self which you know, I'm sure many folks are dealing with throughout this pandemic and being socially isolated. But beyond the pandemic, it's something that folks who are low vision and their vision is slowly deteriorating uh, have dealt with over time. I know I certainly have, or folks who are, are totally blind, who feel alone and isolated. Um, just what the community and what ACB has meant to them, um, what this welcoming, safe, and respectful environment has meant for them to find a place where they belong and that they can feel more comfortable just being themselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and how, how important is that for, uh, for us to be able to advocate confidently for ourselves, um, but also then to be able to recognize these signs and symptoms and be there uh, to assist others in the community and to share these concerns more broadly so that you know, hopefully one day we get to a point where no one feels like that and everyone is uh, welcomed and respected within ACB and our society as a whole. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yes. So again, absolutely. So big thank you to Bavia, Kayla, and Belinda. Um, folks, again, please check out ACB uh, and our community. Join us, as Kayla and Belinda said, about all the great things that are going on in the ACB community and ACB more broadly. Um, you can always find out more information at acb.org. And if there's an advocacy issue that you'd like to share with us, uh, please send us a message at advocacy at acb.org. And whether you're doing it as part of the community with ACB or on your own, uh, we, we say the same thing we do at the end of every podcast. 
Keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www.acbminnesota.com. Org, or call 612-223-5543.